you could literally link it to like that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then you could end it. You could be like, either find us on cinematickangarooquarter.com <laughs> or beeftruck.com. <laughs> Why beef truck? Why not? Because of Tristan. <laughs> it Tristan. It was open. <laughs> and welcome to this week's episode of the Cinematic Kangaroo Court podcast. Hi. This week <laughs> we have a special guest, Tristan from maybe There's some name changes the, and yeah. actually not even name changes. I might just be ditching the original podcast idea and starting over, but I'm a podcaster and a filmmaker. I, I do have to say I like the uh the the hangover one. Hangover yeah. idea. I think yeah. a name change has to happen. On that one, because it's way too close to pop culture happy hour. Mm-hmm. It is pretty but, close. But, but the the way it's structured is a lot different. Mm. So I've never cool. heard um, pop culture. Pop happy culture hour, happy hour is one of my favorite uh, favorite podcasts. I want to check that out now. It's, yeah, it just sounds fun. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's very. It's it's a lot of the, some of the smartest people from NPR getting together doing like something similar to this a roundtable podcast. Yeah. But it's the most put together casual conversation you will ever hear. That's awesome. Wow. Like ever. Well, because they're all so smart. Right, right. And they're so intelligent. And, you know, they do this for a living. They write and they podcast and they do this for other things that they come together with all that knowledge and they talk about TV shows and music and uh, things, that happening, things that are happening in pop culture, all that kind of stuff. That's funny. You know what we talk about? We talk about movies. Is that a good transition? <laughs> you do talk about it. <laughs> it's good, right? Solid. All right, so this week's episode, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Daughters of the Dust. I That's think okay. I just made Nikola Tesla Batman. <laughs> I'm sure I did. Is that him? Yeah, I mean, it looks like that's, Batman. That's Edison. That's... It's his, that's Edison and like a teammate or something. Oh, you are correct. All right. On your, on your fancy little notebook day. Well, Kyle, if you want to introduce the movie and give a summary. <laughs> well, Dodge the Dust. I wish I could describe the movie. It's about, it's about a, a, a group of... African American people, predominantly women, living on an island off the coast of South Carolina. South Carolina. And they kinda stay I don't know. Together? Well yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> but also like separated from the mainland, so they're separated from a lot of the rest of American society. So they're kinda like behind on a lot of things. They're in a petri dish. Yeah. They're exactly. in a petri dish of their own culture. Yeah. This is- there's there's a lot of levels to that. I like that. Uh, and the movie is is about them trying to make the transition to the mainland and and moving. When you first started that uh, whole like intro, I was really hoping you'd say a ragtag bunch and then like just follow it with your description. <laughs> just like escalate like. That would give the complete incorrect portrayal of this movie. Oh, absolutely. But it would make it seem like the adult little rascals. <laughs> Oh, I want an adult little rascal so bad. I mean, if you think about it, like, 
uh, Ocean's Eleven is kind of like the adult Little Rascals. I love Ocean's like the original 11. Ocean's Eleven from 1960s with Frank Sinatra? Either one. Because <laughs> I haven't seen that one. So apparently this movie dealt with themes of sexual abuse. And rape culture in America during the early 1900s. Correct. However, it wasn't a predominant theme in my opinion. I, I understand it affected the movie and it had an impact, but... I didn't pick it up on the, the first, like, watch-through. Was there a predominant theme in the movie? I don't think That's so. That's a great question. <laughs> I think I it was literally things happen, they do here's the movie. <laughs> I didn't pick it up at all. We were in things class talking movie. about it, and they were just like, and, and our professor brought up, and she, he was like, so, did you guys notice how she was raped by a white guy? I was like, what? That was not clear at all. I thought she no. was just pregnant. We thought it was Uncle Bob. Because he was, like, crying on the ground and, like, yeah. stuff like that. and the... Kind of freaking out. But apparently it wasn't him. Uncle nope. Bob. Was that his name? I mean, that's what I got. <laughs> you said Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob. Bob. Which one's Uncle Bob? <laughs> there, was, there was one guy who got a name, and that was the husband. And wasn't his name, like, Eddie or something? Oh, uh, I don't Eddie, know. I thought Uncle Eddie Bob made... got mentioned at least once. <laughs> Uncle Bob. I have no idea. Maybe I'm stereotyping Bobs. I don't know. That all Probably. Bobs are uncles? Yeah. Like, do you know what... I mean, do, that's the better stereotype Bob? of those two. No. no. Like I'm, Father Bob the priest. I don't think a Father Bob exists. I think if you're a dad, you're Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Or Rob. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Or Billy. Even Billy. You can go down that road. But I just... I think Bob is an uncle thing. Yeah, know? yeah. As far as I know. Well, we've stamped that as, like, fact. <laughs> that is now fact. Do you take one thing from this podcast? It is Bob is an uncle's name. Yeah. Period. I mean, look at, the, look at the saying, Bob's your uncle. There you go. Yeah. So, Perfect. I mean, yeah, no one says Bob's your father. No. No. They don't. They say Robert. They say, I'm going to call your dad Rob. Yeah. yeah. Robert. Yeah. Huh. Anyways. <laughs> so this is the spoiler-free section of the podcast. So Julie Dash directed this. <laughs> the sister of Lightning McQueen, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Have you seen anything else? Of hers? Of hers? No. She's directed, like, three other things. No. No. Yeah. All, all we know is that she goes ka at movie reveals. <laughs> okay, no, I will say the directing, in my opinion, wasn't terrible, although I think she could have used her directorly powers to make everything a little bit more clear. That's my biggest problem with the movie, is that I just don't know what happened. Yeah, so, no. I, I don't know I, I'm pretty lot. lost. I know, like, the g- general storyline... Like, point A to point B, but that's literally, like, the simplest plot ever. It's yeah. like Mad Max Fury Road has it beat for, like, a more complex plot. <laughs> but... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And I love Mad Does Max. Does the raid have it beat plot-wise? No, we actually made the comparison. Yeah, we, I say it's, like, right We were there, talking about it. It's probably close, because the raid <laughs> just doesn't have... They, they go to a building. Doesn't have... Yeah. And this, this they, they go to an island. But there are, like inside plot things while they're in the building yeah, and there true. are inside yeah. plot things while they're on the island so, yeah, but it doesn't yeah. really affect the outcome at all yeah nifty yeah Julie Dash I feel like and I don't know much about her she, I feel like she directed this more in a theatrical sense than in a film sense yeah mm-hmm. I was talking about this because I had done a podcast with Charlie Chatter um, I was on that podcast talking about this movie and one thing we had discussed was that this movie would have been a lot better as a play because a play is something where you can be a lot more ambiguous with plot topics mm. because you're going there with the expectation that you have to think a lot harder, you have to focus a lot harder. Right. When you go to a movie, generally, your like level of 
like interpretation isn't as high as you are when you're going to see live theater. Yeah. And this also had a lot of theatrical moments in it mm-hmm. that would have, I think, maybe transposed themselves better on stage. Well, plus this one was like heavily dialogue, and there wasn't like a lot of scene changes. Like there were scene changes, but I mean it was all basically like it was a beach tree house chair with the sand. Yeah. So I mean, like that definitely would fit mm-hmm. a play a lot better. Also, to give context, this was like turn of the century, right? Like 1900. This was 1903. 1903. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just so you know, give a little context there. So imagine them wearing their their petticoats and uh, things that they wear and having names like Mr. Sneed. I love mm. that name. When I heard that, I was like, "This this is a good guy." It quickly turns <laughs> into Peter Pan, <laughs> Mr. Shmee. They're on an island, the, on a beach island. There's a guy named Sneed. Very close. Guy. Who's like the henchman of somebody. Yeah, yeah. The entire movie, I was trying to figure, I was like, I know Mr. Sneed from somewhere. That's a name I know. And I can't pinpoint it. Yeah, I what still is have that it. from? Mr. Know. Sneed is definitely from something else. I know I've heard it somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. look it up right now. Okay, good. Because, I mean... While you're doing that, I'll kind of talk about the the groups that kind of come into the movie. So in the beginning, we've got the group. He's a rapper. It's oh. I saw that when I looked it up, but it wasn't what I was. It wasn't what I know. Yeah, no. It's, it's definitely like because Mr. Sneeze, a big rapper dude on the cover of some movie, like. <laughs> and he's like, he's like chubby, right? And has like a backwards like snap like flat yeah. cap or whatever. And, yeah. Your yeah. favorite white boy is his album. Yeah. Not my favorite white boy. <laughs> so there's two main groups in the movie. <laughs> there's the group that's already on the island. That's like the, the main core of the family, kind of led by the matriarch of the family, the grandmother. That's I just associated her as the grandmother. I don't know if she had she is. She's the great-grandmother to a lot of them, but okay. she's the grandmother, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there was the group coming back from the mainland, which involved uh, Yellow Mary... Yep. Uh, her apparent partner, uh, female partner. That's, that wasn't that's, clear. I don't know. That's that's. It, no, it was. It was it her was, partner. So it was yeah. actually. But it, that wasn't clear throughout the movie. I didn't they feel didn't, like it was clear either. When did they show that? They just. They, the, the, you know what moment gave it away for me? It was that very last moment when she's like, she's like, up against the tree. Everyone's leaving on the boat, and she's just like, waving goodbye. <laughs> I got up and did the whole I'm really motion. glad you acted it out for us. <laughs> I mean, it helped me. Yeah. But do you remember the part? Snap back. And then yeah. she goes, yeah. she goes, like she waves back. And then that was like when it clicked, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because she was a prostitute. So she probably isn't like against being with a woman during mm-hmm. the time. But it wasn't accepted. That's why she stayed on the island to meet a man and have children. But I don't get that. Because is there men on the island? I just might have spoiled it. Shoot. Can you spoil this movie? I don't, I don't really know because so. things just kind of happen. Also, did did you know she was a prostitute watching the movie? I knew at one part it hit me, but like it, I'm pretty sure it was revealed like an hour before that. Yeah, no, I I didn't know. How, but yeah, the, what, what was the sign? I don't know. It was. I just thought she was very coy. I yeah, don't know. she was, was just. I ooh, I'm wearing a, a flat brim hat with a little veil. <laughs> ooh, look at me. Mmm, I'm yellow man. Spooky. <laughs> she grew a wart on her nose and flew away on a broom. Uh, it was when it was when she talks about the milk, the, the the breastfeeding, about how she got pregnant, and then when she got pregnant, uh, her she said the child didn't survive, but she wasn't allowed to keep the child because she was a prostitute, 
but she had milk in her breasts, so she was taken to, like, some farm or some place to, like, breastfeed someone else's child until the milk was gone, and that's when she came, like, home. There was, like, that That was a conversation in the movie, and when I, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I was like, I think I know what she did. Yeah. But there was never a definitive, like, I sold my body. Yeah. So. Well, the third person in that second group <laughs> was a photographer that apparently they hired. Mr. Sneed. Yeah, to photograph them. They originally said landing on the mainland, but they took a lot of pictures on the island. I'm just saying. No, so it was he was supposed to photograph the entire process of them leaving. And... Oh. And <laughs> at some point, it turned into a love story. I don't really know when. Oh, I do know when, during the fake funeral. What? <laughs> what are you talking? What fake funeral? Oh. Mm. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the second half, I guess. Because this is the one, the one part that I actually understood in the movie. There was a fake funeral? <laughs> See, now we know something you don't. And you know, like, you've known all the facts that we haven't. So we're going to hang this over your head just until the second part. It's going to be what Fine. keeps people moving I'm excited. I want to know what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was Watch a fake just, funeral. Watch <laughs> Watch Why don't you explain it? And, and like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's not, not what at, all at all what it was. <laughs> I'll just let you have it. I'll, even if I think something different, I'll be like, no, you can keep that one. <laughs> this movie gave me a newfound love for rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and MMA fighting. Yeah, the, uh, Uncle Bob and the other guy. Uncle, the, oh, that other guy? That's Uncle Bob. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not his name. <laughs> like, the, sh- the shorter one's Uncle Bob. No, the shorter one is like the main character, isn't he? The main character was the girl, the little like girl. the main guy character. That's who we thought Uncle Bob was. I'm really into the uh, the Native American guy that was on the island that we saw in the very beginning Twice. of the movie, in the very end, and the very end of the movie, and nothing. He gets in a between. quick pat chest and then he rides off on a horse. <laughs> that explained nothing. No, it was a really good love plot. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> Things just happen. We don't even have to worry about the plot. He just rides in on a horse and gets her. Sure, Julie. We'll let you do that. <laughs> Whatever you want. I'm trying to picture someone listening to this right now, picturing what this movie is, having no other context. And all I'm picturing is Lightning McQueen and Uncle Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely animated. <laughs> 100%. Which the movie isn't. Let's do Let's do a rapid round, right? All right, so what do we think cinematography-wise? I thought it was a, a fairly pretty movie. Reminded me of Holes. That's a great Ooh, movie. Yeah. All right. I'll take that as a like uh, as a positive. The lighting yeah. was because it seemed like they used mostly natural lighting. Yeah. I think uh, actually so, the, mean, that was pretty impressive. I think the woman who introduced the movie uh, like before the movie started during the film festival actually said it was all like actual lighting. They didn't have any uh, lighting stuff that they brought to the island, so they had to film only during the day. Yeah. So they were only using natural light, uh, which I thought was kind of yeah. cool. So I mean that that's good. The transitions in the editing, I guess. I guess this goes in editing, but the transitions in the editing really reminded me of like the flashbacks to Madame Zeroni, or like when you get Zero like in the yeah, yeah, like yeah. desert by himself. The cinematography really did remind me of Holes, like unbelievably. Mm. I, I hadn't made that connection. I like that. I also thought the uh, walking on the water. Phenomenal. It was cool. Yeah, that was, that was really I, cool. I wanted to yell Chris Angel. <laughs> Mind freak! <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, it like reminded me of Chris Angel. That no, was great. Yeah, it was, it was a good Yeah, film. that was cool. And then um, there's a few shots that I thought were pretty cool, too. It was like grass and sand. One of the coolest shots. I mean, it's not very specific, but the, it kind of sunset. And the two kids are riding the bike. 
and they're up above following these two kids around the like, mm-hmm. circumference of the island. And they have this like aerial shot that follows them around the island, which is pretty cool. Do you think uh, the cinematography helped the movie enough to, to to redeem it at all? Like, do you think do you think it? I don't know. Did it do enough? So, I had a coffee, a nap, and a fresh salad. <laughs> like the coffee and nap were before the movie. The fresh salad was during the movie, so I was very alert. Mm-hmm. And the cinematography, I think, was one of the only reasons I was able to pick up on as much as I did because yeah. it kept me. The filming of it was actually really good. Yeah. In my opinion. So that kept me really engaged. So I did think it helped propel it mm-hmm. to make it watchable. I think one of the things that, for me, made it difficult to watch was not the cinematography, but the acting. Yeah, the acting was rough. I thought... The majority of it. It was, it was either overacting oh, or the, the accents were just off, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. They, they would like kind of go on and off with their accents. Yeah. It would be like super heavy, and then all of a sudden it would be like not really that heavy. Then we'll have like a certain mm. I don't know. And I think it's, the overacting would have played well, like you were saying, in uh, a play environment because you do overact when you're on stage. Yeah. Well, you project more, and they were yeah. doing that. They were like putting themselves out there. Everything was facing forward. It would have translated so much better in that situation. Mm-hmm. But when you're filming, you're you're up close. You're like right there. So like all those big movements just look so exaggerated. That's unrealistic at that point. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that, so I work a lot, when I make films, I work a lot with theater actors because those are just the people I have connections with. Yeah. I don't have a ton of friends who work as purely film actors. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest notes I give theater actors when I'm filming is that I'm here with a camera and a microphone. Yep. You don't have to present yourself. You do your normal thing the way you would do this in a conversation in a day-to-day setting. Yeah. And I film around that. Where I think this movie it was also produced by a theater company, mm-hmm. like a theater film company, and I think its intention was to be theatrical, but yeah. it's sometimes theatri- the- theatrics don't really work in movies. No. No. And there's a reason theater is still a thriving business. Yeah. Well, even, um, what was the Denzel Washington? Fences. Fences. Even yeah. Fences I struggled with. Which I haven't seen, and I heard Fences is really good. The acting was great. Like, but, they... but I was told probably what you're thinking is that it was meant for... Yeah, yeah. That like, was meant for a stage. Yeah, the acting was, like, really solid. They did a great job, but yeah. it was just that super heavy dialogue-driven in only a few different settings mm-hmm. and, like, not a whole lot of movement. It was, like, and just kind of sit there. That's theater. Yeah, yeah, that's, like, exactly what you'd expect if you went to something live. But, yep. I mean, like, watching it on a movie is, is just you well, so expect something with different. movies the expect, expectation I think is that with movies there's that expectation that you're watching the capturing of real life you're watching the depiction of reality mm-hmm. where in theater you're expecting to watch an exaggerated version of reality and um, that's why I think certain like high art movies don't do well yeah. is because movie the average moviegoer wants to watch a movie depicted of real life mm-hmm. so even even when you watch something like The Avengers Unrealistic, right? Sure. We don't have green guys jumping around building to building, but it's the most realistic, like portrayal mm-hmm. of that of what's happening yeah. as possible. But then you get movies like, but then you get some superhero movies that are disliked, mm-hmm. like, I mean, personally, I hated uh, Man of Steel. Yeah. But that's because a lot of the parts in there weren't, for me, weren't believable. Yeah, yeah. Where the Avengers was able to make it believable, and I think that's where a movie holds its strength, where movies like Daughters of the Dust, the way it was filmed and the way they're doing things on the island, just like dancing around in a circle mm-hmm. and shit like that. It's like, yeah, maybe they would do that, but it, for me it wasn't a realistic portrayal of what their life probably was like, yeah. where 
in theater portraying it like that, I would have, I think, taken it a lot better. Yeah, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally agree. Anything stand out about the score? I don't know. I don't really remember much about it. There was a score? So th- there was a score. It was just all the times I noticed it, it was basically the same like song. Like yeah. It sounded almost exactly the same every time. Which, I mean, normally I'd say, like, oh, it's a leitmotif. Right. But for what? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the island's leitmotif. Yeah. This movie really felt like someone made a list of all the things a movie needs. And then they, when they started making the movie, they were checking that list off. Like, Good lighting? Check. Yeah. Uh, cool c- cinematography? Check. check. <laughs> Acting? Check. check. Actors? <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like it's instead of a check, it's just a little scribble on the box. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll come back to it maybe. Oh, I wish they checked it's out circled. The, the plot box. The plot. Yeah, that's the one they left out. Yeah. Someone was like, "Hey, you, you guys think we need plot for this?" Nah, we got all the other stuff. We should be good. It's like making a recipe in the kitchen. Yeah. You don't have one ingredient; it'll probably work fine. Yeah. In this case, it was it was but, the steak. Yeah, but you, for, oh, you, yeah, had you all forgot the, stuff the burger. To, yeah. You had a stuff to marinate it, but you didn't have the steak. <laughs> or you forgot the pan. Yeah, you forgot, like, the, like just one of the most silly. vital things. <laughs> and, two, this isn't, this isn't like, you know, I listen to your Raid podcast, The Raid Redemption. Get it? There you go. There's yep. the full name. Yep. I listen to that, and you guys explained how it could still be good without a plot. Mm-hmm. But this movie had none of the elements that you need to make a movie without plot good, which is, yep. which is fast-pacedness. Like fast paced ability and like things to watch, things to watch happen. Yeah. Movies like this where it's a bunch of talking heads, where it's a bunch of people talking, it mm. needs to be so plot heavy to yeah. make it entertaining. Something has to be it has to be a spectacle. It has to have Which substance the raid, for you to watch. Like the fighting and stuff was the, the spectacle, spectacle that like kept you yep. trained in where, on it. Here the spectacle was the the Cherokee guy coming in with the horse at the end. <laughs> like I don't know. Expecting like a hair flip and just like, Fabio. (laughs) Honestly, I would have loved the movie if that happened. I would have just stood up and clapped. Julie, you genius. Brilliant. (laughs) Did uh, did Julie Dash write the movie as well? She 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 pretty much did everything. All right, so here's a situation where I know you were kind of saying it earlier, almost as a joke, but kind of true. I think this is a situation where it was all just a lot of yes men surrounding her, or yes women, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. And I think you brought it up during the movie. It, it would have been good to have other opinions, I think, kind of like checking her a little bit, like, hmm, does this make sense? But when she was in charge, it was like, you know, who who, who kind of knows well, other than like her our, what's going on? In Raid, we were talking about this, too, about yeah. how some people can handle, like, making something where they have total control. Yep. But, like, some people can't, like George Lucas. You know, she's like not mentioned. Stanley Kubrick. Right. Stanley Kubrick's the kind of director who can have his hands in everything mm-hmm. and control and, and control everything where, you, like you said, George Lucas. Should it. Decent yeah. director. Yeah. Decent director. Great yeah. filmmaker. I'm going yeah. right, right, right. to draw that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the uh, most successful did. filmmakers of all time. Yep. Decent director. One of his strengths, though, is he says... You go do this. Mm. I trust you to do this. I trust you to do this. I didn't. I wasn't there for the filming of Dodgers of the Dust. Sure. But it did not feel like a movie where she was like, okay, yeah. you're the writer. You're, you're, you're there to help me write. Shut your mouth. 
That's what it felt like I was watching. Was yeah, yeah. It was her shutting down other ideas. Because it seemed like there... Or she would take the elements she liked from other things, add them in, but then but, not... Not, like, tie it together. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of loose ends at the end. Yeah. I agree. If that made sense. It, it totally does. does. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think that, that did that a decent like job. A, we, we had, that like, was a very constructive, like, 15 minutes. Gotta yeah. say. And out of 48... All right, so now let's uh, let's throw it over to the uh, cinematic controversy section, uh, and then after that, we'll be back to talk about the quote-unquote spoilers. Are you gonna bang the uh, yeah, yeah. the the hammer? Do we? Is there a? Here we go. Hey. <laughs> okay. Welcome everybody to the cinematic controversy section. Today's cinematic controversy is going to be talking about what do we think about the idea of needing background information going into a movie. So we can talk about this movie, we can talk about other movies. What do we think as, as far as that? Do, do you feel like, and I know we were kind of touching on this earlier, that you should have a background. I know like going into a play there's like a higher threshold of entrance in my opinion where like you're you're kind of looking for going in and thinking a little bit more uh, and maybe you know a little bit more going in well, you think the same thing yeah the same thing applies to a movie are are the same things expected of you or do you think it's a lower entry of and threshold entry whatever words go ahead i'm a i'm a steadfast believer in that if you tell me anything about a movie i'm going to be pissed right same thing with theater though a lot of theater, a lot of people who watch theater like to go and like to know shit, you know, shit about what's good about to happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I like things to be a surprise. There's a hand. There's a few reasons why. First of all, if you tell me what a movie's about, and I'm gonna stick to movies because that's what we're talking about. Yep. If you tell me what a movie's about, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pre-assess the movie mm-hmm. before I've even seen it. Yep. Right. So, if I had gone and saw Suicide Squad after everybody after everybody says it, it was horrible, right. I wouldn't have liked the movie. I like Suicide Squad, and I will defend that claim. I have my own reasons for, like, like I just enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun movie to watch. But that's one of those movies that if someone tells you it sucks and you go and watch it, you're going to realize why it sucks. Yeah, yeah. You're going to point those things out. I went when it first came out, like, like within the first three days it was out, and I went and saw it, and I didn't leave. Like, that was horrible. I laughed like that was a decent, decent superhero movie. That was me and Batman vs. Superman. Because, I, like, everyone else trashed in that movie. I didn't hate it. I thought it was fun. But if you had, if someone had explained every reason why you should hate it, and you went in, you probably would have walked out saying, I did not well, like I, it. Absolutely. I did go, I did rewatch Batman vs. Superman, though, because like, yep. my dad wanted to watch it, so I watched the uh, extended cut, which fixes a few things, but mm-hmm. uh, watching it the second time, it was, like, a lot more difficult to get through. Mm-hmm. But I think talking, I think, I think going in, knowing about a movie, that's one reason why it's hard, because you get a prejudgment of things. The other thing is, it can ruin it can it can ruin individual thoughts. So this happened with Daughters of the Dust, and this was a point I made after the fact that I went into this movie expecting because the speaker had said you are going to feel like you're in the eyes of an African American woman looking at her plight during this time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I set my mind to be like, okay, I'm gonna watch something pretty gripping that's gonna make me feel a different way, and it didn't. So having that expectation set, I think, made it a lot harder for me to enjoy the movie because I wasn't just watching it as a movie. I was watching it critically as a movie through a specific lens that someone had given me yep. that I really wouldn't have wanted if I had if I had known what the movie was about. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had actually... If I had seen it before and then someone said this to me, I'd have been like, I would have gone in thinking differently. 
because watching Daughters of the Dust is the kind of movie, if you're watching your own, you might actually really like it and take things away. Mm-hmm. But going in with that specific lens, which we all went in because of the speaker, yep, right. it made it really hard to focus on anything else because we were looking for those things. Yeah. And so I think, especially too in like a film setting or mm-hmm. when you have an introduction of a movie, it can make it really hard because you're look you're gonna ultimately you're gonna end up watching that movie, at least in some way through that through that speaker's eyes, mm-hmm. through that speaker's lens, and that might not be the way you'll digest the movie the best. So for me, I really don't like this whole film festival has been a real cha- like a really big pain because yeah, yeah, I don't like introductions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate them. I would rather I'd rather start the movie at seven thirty, finish the movie at nine, and then have an hour conversation. Even if the you know directors aren't there, have an hour conversation with the curators about why they chose this, yeah, and then have them go on their little spiel then, because then that might make me re- like think back and say, okay, maybe I see that, but getting it beforehand, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I think the way you had phrased it in, in the text email thing you sent me earlier was like, should you sign a release saying you want this preface? I think that's a great idea. I think if you want the preface, you should be given the option to, but I don't think it should be just given to everybody because it might ruin that person's experience. Yeah, I totally agree. Because similarly, um, move, some movies like expect you to, like Revolution won't be televised. Yeah. 100% like wanted you, like you had to, if you, you didn't had to know, know anything, then like you're just kind of lost. All you know is that they're having a revolution basically mm-hmm. and that they're rappers later. So like that, I kind of understand giving some introduction, but even the introduction didn't hit on the stuff that like was important. You needed to create a baseline for that movie. But don't you think a, a good movie does that through storytelling and does give you the framing, even if it's like in the beginning of the movie as like an expositional like, here's a quick background, here's like woo opening here da 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 da. Uh, I don't know. That's what I look for in a movie. If I don't want to have to read a research paper about what happened previously in order, in order to understand this movie, I want the movie to tell me and give me one whole experience that I can appreciate. I think that's a tough a tough line to draw yeah. because you have a movie like The Revolution won't be televised. Yes, the movie tours and people see it in America. But she, the director even said it herself, that movie was not made for Americans. Right. It was made for people in Senegal, for Senegalese, Senegalesians. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good it enough. was made from made for people from Senegalese to watch because it would be something they would connect to. So for us, we were watching it through a window. We were watching it through a specific, you know, through this window yeah. from afar. And I think I could accept that because this movie wasn't made for us. Right. Right. But you have a movie like Daughters of the Dust, which was made for an American audience. Yeah. Which yeah. had a theatrical debut, which was in li- was in theaters yeah. mm-hmm. in 1991. And as Americans, this movie was designed and made for us to watch mm. I didn't understand like it was so hard to understand yeah. then yeah. that's where a movie yeah. comes into the lines you're talking about where it needs to explain itself yeah. and it didn't and I think I think that's that's really what I was getting at was more toward the daughters of the dust spectrum again I didn't see revolution so mm-hmm. I can't like speak about that as much but like I wouldn't expect like I don't know a historical like American movie to like give me a history lesson beforehand because I guess you would expect some sort of like prior knowledge going into it. So, like, I wouldn't expect Lincoln at the beginning to be like, the president runs the United States of America. Yeah. This is uh, Abraham Lincoln and stuff like that. Like, or, like, the John Adams uh, John Adams miniseries on HBO, right? Yeah. 
you know the general story of our founding fathers. Mm-hmm. So we don't need a refresher on that. Yeah. So they can really, or like Hamilton the play. Yep. You can really dive into this individual story even because so we know the history. They still like, even though you know, they still like drop hints along the to, way. To too. fill in They'll stuff like, that you may not be 100% oh, familiar this with. this person. Yeah. The kid I grew up with or whatever. Who is Who became the this person. Yeah. But the Daughters of the Dust didn't do any yeah, of that, yeah. which is... Struggle. But definitely, the movie should be the thing that fills you in, though. And I agree with you on that. Yeah. I think, and it depends in what situation. I think documentaries are one thing where documentaries generally, a film, a film, a film festival is a different hard setting, I think, because mm-hmm. documentaries in a film festival, you're showing up to a film festival to watch a documentary someone else picked. Yep. I don't know how often you guys watch documentaries on your own time. Not super often. I, I kind of like documentaries. I love documentaries. Yeah. Like, I watch, like, every documentary Vice comes out with, I try to, like, watch. I go on Netflix and, like, job. we'll just look through documentaries. I love documentaries. Mostly Netflix watch, has like, so many good yeah. documentaries. They, and they really... Yeah. But one of the reasons you pick a documentary is either because you want to learn about that topic... Or you're and already... And you already know a little bit about it. Yeah. Or you know something about it and you want to cross-reference what you know with mm-hmm. what other people yeah. see. But, when you go to watch a narrative film... You're not picking a narrative film because you want to learn about something or you want to know because you might already know something. You're picking a narrative film to enjoy a story. Yeah. Mm. And and that's where narrative films need to pick up the slack and shouldn't have to have an introduction. I think that's Absolutely. fair. I think that's a that's a really good where documentaries, yeah. I think documentaries because there's some documentaries where the first 10 minutes of a documentary is explaining the history of something. Yeah. yeah. And that's basically where, like, if you cut that 10 minutes off and went to a film festival and the director was there to speak about it, the same thing could f- fill the time. But in a narrative piece, the history and all the information you need should be woven into the yeah to the yeah, thing, absolutely. and you shouldn't need an introducer. It's almost like it's almost like Daughters of the Dust was a narrative film that was written to be, like, a documentary. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, without the explanations. <laughs> and I really think that was actually something it was intending on doing because it was supposed to be... A snapshot of this culture at this time. Yeah. And I think if Julie Dash had gone in and said, instead of making it a narrative piece, I'm going to make a documentary on this, I think it would have been phenomenal and we would have gotten a whole lot more. But making it, trying to explain this culture that nobody knows about in a narrative piece without explaining anything about the culture, Mm -hmm. I think it kind of fell short. When I was kind of, when we were spitballing this topic for a cinematic controversy, I was, I was kind of going back to an older cinematic controversy that we talked about and I was thinking about it in this context. No, actually, Avengers. Oh, I was honestly thinking, like, Avengers is a movie where you benefit from knowing more, but you don't have to know more. You don't have to know all the backstories. It benefits you to know them, but you could watch that movie on its own, not having any other context, and still appreciate it as a movie. And that's where movies to d- nowadays are getting, getting like, phenomenal. Yeah. Because they're able to weave in, especially the superhero drama, which a lot of people dislike, the superhero genre does exactly that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a big comic book reader. I read a handful of them growing up. Yep. There's some comic book heroes I know more than others. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are DC. When Marvel came out, everything I know about DC for the most part. Now, it's been a few years and I've read some comics and I've gotten into things because of friends. Yeah. But when they first started coming out, I was in that exact position where I watched it and I enjoyed the movies. Yeah. Because I knew nothing about it. I had friends who fell in love with the movies because they were able to say, oh, I know that from the comic. Yeah, yeah. The only time I think knowing the comics becomes a hassle is when you're someone who can't detach the movies from the comics. Yep. I have a few friends who cannot detach the movies from the comics and they hate every Marvel movie that comes out. And That's I look tough. at them and I'm like, give me the reasons why. And they're like, it doesn't match the comic. And I'm like, it's not 
It's not the comic. It's it's it is totally not, separate. Not the comic. It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. universe. <laughs> you almost have to look at it like yeah. It, it, you look at characters different when they're written by different comic book writers. Mm. They're not the same character. Yeah. It's the same thing when you apply it to, to film. It's totally different. It's that interpretation Well, you of take character. the instance of Harry Potter, right? One mm-hmm. of the most successful movie franchises mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's disputable. No, I, I think right? that's totally fair. There are people who dislike the movies because they're not the same as the book. Yeah. The, every, argument that, every argument that someone makes is that they left out these small details, these small details... And every my always always my rebuttal is is would you watch a six hour movie? Like be honest, would you, would you watch a six hour movie? No, it'd be totally it's, rough. Yeah, the longest movie no I've ever watched, I think, is maybe a little over three hours. Yeah, yeah. I think three and a half for Lord like, of the Rings, King Kong. And it's uh, so hard, and it's Ooh, hard to get. It's like fun if it's great, but it's hard to get through. <clears throat> yeah, if you were to it's keep, a conquest. Yeah, you like you you have to prepare yourself for it. Have you read Age of Ultron, the comic? No, I've no. read Age of Ultron. Do you know how thick Age of Ultron is? Age of Ultron is like my eight and a half by 11 notebook Mm. in about 160 pages. Wow. Imagine filling all that in with the, like, whatever, 75, 80, whatever, 100-something crazy amount of superheroes in it. Yeah. Imagine making the Age of Ultron movie identical to the book. It'd be a nine-hour movie. Yep. You'd have have storylines for characters that you don't care about, like She-Hulk or Luke Cage and all these other characters that don't have anything to do with the cinematic universe, but then you get people who get upset that these movies aren't the same yeah. as the, the like, source material. And this is, in, but I think Daughters of the Dust is an instance where I would have loved to know more about the source material. But I think that's one thing that's a big, sh- like, irritates me in mind about talking about movies. Is people are like, it's not the same. I'm like, well, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. It's like, the, you, you really think Rose and Jack, like, had that much fun on the <laughs> Titanic? You think that was their experience? No. You don't even know if Rose and Jack are real people. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't hear anybody complaining, saying that's not really how the Titanic broke. It's People don't care. It was a yeah. movie. Yeah. But it's like, you have something else that, like, is pop culture relevant, and then you compare it to the new thing that's pop culture relevant. It's like the whole Tilda Swinton argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like... Well, Tilda Swinton was a guy, an Asian man, so she shouldn't play this person. In the comics, yeah, in the movie, when they wrote the script that someone originally adapted and came it's up a with, Celtic lady, they made it a Celtic lady. Yeah, and Tilda Swinton's awesome. And so Tilda Swinton took, played it great. Yeah, I totally agree. I think she did a badass job. Yeah, phenomenal. So good. She made me hate her. <laughs> yeah, no, in a good I way. I was that, like, man. I was like, I was like. Stop being, stop being so selfless, and you're being selfish at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, I wanted to like punch her in the face, and then she, something happens to her, and then I cried. I didn't really cry, but my whole I was, I was, I was sad when I, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, like when it happened, that's she's, all. She's kind. Yeah. She was yeah. kind of like douchey. You got you gotta attached then, to her a little bit. Yeah, but then it's like she, she redeemed she herself. She gave him a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't know. It's it's not a one dimensional character. I think that's important. You know that they're they're people. Did you know she caught flack for a very similar thing with Constantine? Really? When she played the angel Gabriel? Hmm. She played the angel Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. A male angel. I, I thought right? she was great as Gabriel. Fantastic, right? Because, I mean, Fanta- a, a lot of people hate that movie. I honestly love that movie. I don't think it's the greatest movie to ever grace the planet. I don't either. <laughs> it's fun to watch. But, like, like if, also it's, too, if it's on TV, like a I'll, holy I'll Christ, watch it. Keanu Reeves in a Christ gun. Like, yeah. Like, what was that? And Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> dude. What was that whole, what was the, oh, what is this from? It's like a heaven gun. There was a TV show where they joked about a heaven gun, right? About how when you go to heaven, you can get killed again, with only, but only if they use a heaven gun. Oh, R.I.P.D.? Was that 
Well, uh, I mean, R.I.P.D. did, did that, but, like that. I, yeah. but it's like the idea of Keanu Reeves running around with a heaven gun. Yeah. Like, the ultimate <laughs> killing device. Just the cross. And it's just the cross that like, shot grenades. Like, it was fantastic. All I'm thinking right now is the holy hand grenade from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That's all I'm thinking right now. <laughs> I actually thought Tilda Swinton was great as Gabriel. Though. I thought she was fantastic. She's fantastic in everything, though. Yeah, I love Tilda Swinton. I think she is, she's a trooper. Who was I saying this to in this? Was I, I was saying this recently, and it wasn't about Tilda Swinton. But we were talking about who could play a certain character. And everyone else was saying young characters. It was on a podcast yesterday. What? Well, I recorded a podcast yesterday, and now it's going to bug me. Because I said Meryl Streep can play someone that oh, a bunch of... Oh, who is Emma, so- Emma Stone supposed to play in the new Disney remake movie? Cruella. Ooh. Oh, Cruella. Emma Stone is okay. in talks of playing Cruella, Cruella in the new Cruella film that Disney's redoing. That'd be totally different for her, but I could totally see it. Yeah. I think that would be a phenomenal role yeah. for Meryl Streep to play a character. Oh. Meryl's, yeah. Because Meryl Streep I mean, be better, plays herself. Yeah. She plays a great herself. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But, imagine, but Meryl Streep is such a strong actor, she can step into a character. Mm-hmm. Imagine her playing someone as like insane. Her playing Cruella would, would be the same as, as Jack Nicholson playing the Joker for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, very hard to top. Yeah. 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 I think that's fair. No, that would be that'd be really, really cool. I think Emma Stone might do a good job, but Emma Stone I think is being picked because she's the hot hot like hot name right now in Hollywood. Yeah. But it's like you have an older actress. Like Cruella DeVille is like supposed to be like She's not she's in her seventies or some craziness. She's she's insane. And it's like imagine Meryl Streep stepping into that role. Or Tilda Swinton. Margot Robbie with like like old makeup on. Yeah. But to play that insanity mm. of, like, I just don't think Emma Stone is the right person to play. Because Cruella DeVille isn't just, like, the mean old lady. Mm-hmm. She's insane. She yeah, actually, she's like, in, the, yeah, in yeah. the movies, she's a lunatic. Psychotic, yeah. And it's like, you need someone to be able to play that, and I just don't think Emma Stone is the right choice to play insane. Now, and I don't know if that's how they're taking Cruella, but that's how she should be taken. I want you to pitch this to them, because maybe they just didn't think about it. Because, <laughs> like, it makes so much sense when you say it out loud. It's yeah. just like, this, this is obvious. Though, I'd have to say, it might it, it might be interesting to give her a chance, because we saw Jim Carrey be pretty good in Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. I think, I don't, th- the, I don't think she, she won't, do, I don't think she'll do a bad job. I just don't just think I don't think you'll do get better. the like yeah. like you want that like enigma of a performance like yeah. where you watch yeah. it and you are like blown away because because She's also kind of Cruella's kind of over the top too yeah which Meryl Streep you can play really well like Florence Foster Jenkins yeah. and that she was very over the top the only reason I can maybe see them picking Emma Stone is this movie is about Cruella it's not about the Dalmatians mm. so if it is a story like there's not a whole lot about it mm. right now but if it is a story about Cruella's like life. Maybe Emma Stone's the right character because she's a little younger. But if we're talking like prime age, like Dalmatian age, you know, Cruella Stone or Cruella um, Deville, it needs to be someone like Meryl Streep, yeah. in mm-hmm. my opinion. I mean, they could have had anybody play Lex Luthor, but they had Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, he is just a <laughs> he. They, he has had two good movies in his entire life. One was called American Ultra, and the other one was called The Social Network. Yeah, and American Ultra wasn't even that great. It was I, just fun to watch. I liked him in. Um... Zombieland. He was, oh, in Zombieland. Yeah. Forget about that movie. Yeah. That's great. Zombieland, but too. He, he's just not... He's he's a very, like, still Is American actor. Ultra good? American Ultra is fun. Okay, I've, I haven't seen it. I That's wanted the, to see it when I was in it's, theaters. It's but. fun. It's not... I mean, I wouldn't have gone to see it in theaters. I didn't. Yeah. I saw it on um, 
worth the a watch. A format right? that I could not gonna say on here to get myself in trouble. But totally <laughs> legal. Totally legal way yeah. of seeing. One hundred percent. Yeah, you saw it online. I saw it on HBO on the Fire Stick. Yeah. Yeah. HBO Fire. But my point is, Classic. I saw American Ultra. And it was fun to watch. But mm-hmm. his acting for me, it's the same thing. Like, I think it's funny to pair him with Kristen Stewart because she's the female version of his acting. Yeah. Um, kind but of void of emotion, emotion. ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know who would play a phenomenal Lex Luthor? Woody Harrelson. Oh, Shave yeah. Woody Harrelson oh, bald yes. and make him look Lex Luthor. Because Woody Harrelson can play put together really well, yeah. but he can lose his shit yeah. on the drop of a coin. I love it, yeah. Absolutely. Imagine him, and that's what Lex Luthor as a character is like, too. Like, in anything I've ever seen Lex Luthor in or read Lex Luthor in, that's what he's like. He is he is like the more calm kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is all put together, everything's methodical and thought out, until you, like, just snap that one second and he loses his shit but for a short period of time. Yep. But in that short period of time, like, crazy shit happens. Yeah. Um... I think Woody Harrelson would play a great would play a great Lex Luthor. I think. Well, it's like um, like Natural Born Killers. He does that like he's kind of collected, then all of a sudden he's just yeah killing everybody. It's like yeah. oh, Jesus. He, he would make a really great Lex Luthor though. Yeah. I think. But I guess to bring some closure to the whole controversy, I think it's fair to to kind of wrap it up. Uh, I think there are situations, and I think I think you did a really good job, Christian, of kind of like depicting when it's appropriate to. To kind of have that background and when it's appropriate to think pretty to much like if there's more. a narrative, it should tell you. Yeah. If there's if it's like a non-narrative, then it's feel okay. free to tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay if you have to figure stuff out beforehand. We actually reached some sort of solid it's like conclusion. Of, so that's gonna wrap up <laughs> <laughs> the cinematic controversies. <laughs> uh, I wish you guys had a gavel so I could like actually hit it. No, we have it in. The um, audio, but we yeah, don't. I really it. wish Here, I just like we'll slam my wallet on the table. Order! This court has ruled. Uh, so here's the spoiler, spoiler section. <laughs> they leave on the boat. <laughs> The end. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I've been waiting patiently. Okay. So what is the fake funeral? I consider it a fake for funeral. Basically, what happened was when everyone else is leaving the grandmother, the grandmother's like, "Oh, I'm gonna die here." And they're like, "No, come with us." She's like, "Uh-uh, I'm dying here. You guys better say bye now. I'm dying." And kiss this book, maybe a Bible, and then like. Watch Why don't you explain it? And, and you'll like, be like, oh, that's yeah, that's not, not what at happened. all what it was. <laughs> I'll just let you have it. I'll, even if I think something different, I'll be like, no, you can keep that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Shit. <laughs> you yes. know what? You know I. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got it. I, I, I thought I understood I, it so I, well. I, I was like, this is a beautiful goodbye. I definitely see it. And she did say, I'm going to die on this island. Yeah. But it wasn't a funeral. What it was, it was. She had her mother's hair in that bag to remember her mother, to always have her mother with her from when she left um, West Africa. 
So she was doing the same thing. She was taking her hair and putting it in the bag, and they were all kissing it, and then she gave it to them so they would always have a piece of her with them. That's really nice. I mean, I knew it was like a... I knew that they were doing the kissing thing to have, like, her with them, and I thought that was part of the goodbye fake funeral. No, because one one thing that happens after that is she goes, you know we can come back and see you, right? And she was like, just kiss it anyway. I was pretty sure. That's what that whole scene was about. Yeah. Close. I, the way you read it, I understand the way you read it. From the clarification I got from Everyone was my professor, crying. No one wanted that's to not kiss what it. it was. Oh, man. <laughs> the big reveal. You got a ribbon for trying. Completely sold. <laughs> what color? What color was the ribbon? Purple. Ah, oh, that's great. That's my favorite, favorite color. color. Purple. Cool, so sweet. That was a wild guess. Destiny. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I gave you a shot. <laughs> Wait, cut this out. No, you're right. That was a funeral. They were saying goodbye. They actually, 20 minutes after they left, Yellow Marie dug a hole and buried the grandmother. Alive, though. Alive. She was still alive. She'd give her a straw and she'd funnel food down there, but she was like, we gotta bury you before they leave. I was so sure. I was so wrong. I was positive. I was like, that's so sweet and sad, and I get why everyone's crying. Wait, why'd that... Photographer, go and kiss that woman. It's okay. She yeah. was just a negative Nancy yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. She was like, I'm not teaching my kids these rituals. They're going to grow up progressive and thinking forward. But screw Yellow Marie who did that before me. Yeah, I was so confused at that. that like, she like hated her. I didn't understand why. And like, it was obviously apparent when the first time Yellow Mary shows up and they're like, mm, we don't yeah. let you. But all the kids were like, yay. They got, they got real cockeyed. Yeah, it was yeah. just so bad and I was like why you're about to do what she did yeah. why are you so well, mad she's, the, she's helping you leave the island isn't yeah. it like, wasn't that the whole I thought so screw you yellow Mary for helping us <laughs> what if she had to stay because it wasn't because she wanted to they were just like no now you have to stay <laughs> you came back to the island you, you can't, can't leave. leave again you get one chance I'm gonna do a reframe of the entire movie and let's spoil everything okay there is a family on an island they leave the island spoiler number one there's a Cherokee man who loves a lady. They get together, and she doesn't leave the island. Spoiler two. There's one lady who runs off in a pissy fit. She leaves the island. Spoiler three. Yellow Marie is a lesbian. Spoiler four. Uh, forget her name. One character gets raped by a white guy. Spoiler five. That's the one that stays on the island at the end of the Chickadee Man, right? And no, no, that's not. That's, she does. That's, that's she, Uncle Ben's. No, no, Eli. Eli. Eli, Eli Pizant. Yeah, that's Eli's. Eli's wife. wife. The one with the long, long yeah, braids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, totally thought they were uh, the same person. What else can I spoil? Uh, Mr. Sneed and the lady who, like, hires him make out at the end uncalled for. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think she really oh, wanted Yellow it. Mary's a prostitute. Yellow Mary's a prostitute. Spoiler. There is a child who runs around, like, a, like a, a, there's an apparition that just sprints yeah, around the island. It's an unborn And you hear just child. like, dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, that's a big point that I wouldn't have gotten <laughs> unless you explained it to me beforehand. That's an apparition? Yeah. Well... No, I think I would have gotten that. But that the narrator is the child, and it is the unborn child. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. Any other spoilers we're missing? Uh, teddy bears are all the new rage. Spoiler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I got that part. I understood I that. thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. They're just, like, looking through a catalog, and it says, Teddy bears are all the new rage, and the little girl, like, like rubs her finger on it. <laughs> <laughs> this will be my... Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler. Any other spoilers? Uh, uh, oh, Eli can walk on water. Spoiler. Right. 
Yeah, but only in a <coughs> me- metaphorical, but actual sense. He was doing it. He like physically walked out. <laughs> Uncle water. Bob went straight out. <laughs> so now what I think we should do is spend the next five minutes describing a sequel. All right. Um. So I think it's the exact same movie, but everyone else is coming out. Yellow Mary is playing like, and she's leaving. No. Like. Mm-mm-mm. I'm leaving, but I don't like you guys for coming back. Okay, I got it's it. It's just the exact same plot. But Sequel. They're on mainland U.S., and they're all living in a new community together, and it's it's this little town, and then somebody comes over on a boat from the old island with pictures, and then they just hand pictures out to everybody. And then they come back. Yeah. Then they go home. Yeah. Solid. I Realistically... What would the the sequel realistically would be really sad? No, I think <laughs> would be. I would legitimately be way more interested in a prequel, seeing Yella Mary leave and yeah. like her life <laughs> transitioning to the mainland and like that whole journey would be way her, more. Entertaining her story to me. sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Do you think we could get Julie Dash to like give us the rights to write that and film that story? No. Would you like to start Tristan with a recommendation that's kind of. Similar oh, no, to I Dodge of the Dust? I no. haven't either. I'm, pan- I'm panicking right now. <laughs> I, can I just recommend something I like and has nothing to do with Daughters? Okay. The sure. Get Down, the start of hip hop. It has more to do with I love the, the get revolution down. won't be televised. I haven't seen it. I want so, to, though. Uh, season watch, two just came watch out. Watch The Get Down. I'm par- partway through se- uh, like part two. It's not season. Yeah, part yeah. two. Uh, the Get Down is a really cool take on the start of hip hop because the start of hip hop came from a pretty rough and like, like gritty scene. Um, you know, in the like, like the tough Bronx of New York, yep. and I think they do a really good, li- good way of shining the light on the music while also still displaying the like, the like hard, like hard times people mm-hmm. had to go through. But they make it really fun and entertaining, and it follows, it follows like kind of like, like a, a manga, like comic book format where you're following a group of like music superheroes. Um, yeah. It's really great, and like the names are fantastic. You have Shallon, fantastic. Yeah. You have Dizzy, and I at first did not like the narration of um, Jaden Smith, mm-hmm. but Jaden Smith was the perfect character to narrate the thing because he is one of the only characters that stays fairly objective from what the group does. Yep. But it's a great show. It is one of those shows like you get through the first two episodes, and it's going to be really hard to stop. If you if you like hip hop music, yeah. If you don't like hip hop music, it might not be as fun, but. It's a really good show. So, oh man, I, I, I almost just want to ditto that because like it is that good. Yeah. Honestly, like it, it's it's super fun. I heard about it um, at first. I, I don't know. One of the people I follow on Twitter is like, check this out, and I was like, hmm, I don't know what it is, but I'll check it out, and then immediately caught my attention. I was like, absolutely. Yeah, I was on Netflix the day it came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just saw it pop up, and I was like, and I read the description, I was like, I'll give it a try. Yeah. yeah. I watched it in within. So I watched that and one other episode that night. The next day I watched the other four. Yeah. Because there's six and then there's six more. Yep. And uh, the next, so I watched it in a series of two days. I, I know I watched chance. it. I think I watched it over like a week. I think I yeah. watched like one one a day during lunch or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably just ditto that, honestly. <laughs> oh, pressure's on. <laughs> I'll give you a little bit more time because I want to comment because yeah. I do think that they are related in the sense that it's not it's not a revolution it's a paradigm shift it's like a complete change from what uh, the characters are used to to something completely different and uh, in yeah, the get down it's it's a, a change from like their status quo to experiencing like hip hop and like and this all this new 
culture that's being developed. Okay, I got it. I'm going to say Moonlight. Phenomenal movie. Yeah, it's awesome. It's I'm going to ditto that one for you. It has the plight of minorities in the U.S. Uh, having to deal with not just being a minority, but also having a quality that others don't necessarily... They, it's not like an accepted quality. So it's like, it's like you have but, the plight of... Of minorities in the U.S. Yeah, added with, added with on top of the plight of having to also be gay in a U.S. where it's still mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah, like in some areas, but then also add the plight of like being living in the like living in hypermasculine ghetto of the yeah. South where yeah. being gay in that situation is like being gay in America is tough already. Yeah, adding it in that situation and, more difficult and being someone of color where your entire culture is based off of being hypermasculine. Mm-hmm. It's Am I trying to? Am I saying what you're trying no, to get to? No, yeah, it's exactly what I tried to say, but couldn't. <laughs> then you also have like dealing with family issues with a mother that's a junkie, and a and, father that's not there, and being exposed to <clears throat> things that you know average kids in the U.S. aren't exposed yeah. to, and, and it's just a, a great story in general too. Phenomenal it's movie. just a fantastic shot, very well too. Also, watch holes if you like the cinematography. Watch holes. Holes is a great movie. Digging up them holes. Digging, digging up them holes so you got to go digging those holes. Digging up them holes. Digging. That was nice. It was. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Wait, yes. no, uh, what? Tristan, you want to plug anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Donnie Tristan. There you I'm go. an average photo dude. Keep an eye out for my movie, Whatever Happened to Nick and Walter. Keep an eye out and where if you're in the. people find that? Um, can't find it yet, but you'll be able to find it at different media outlets. Follow Flip A Coin Studios, Flip underscore A underscore Coin underscore Studios on Instagram, cool. and uh, it, that'll lead you to other links to find Flip A Coin. And we will re- be releasing any movie-related stuff underneath that. If you're in the local Massachusetts area, towards October of 2017, look out for auditions for my second movie which I'm currently in the process of writing. Uh, yeah. Check out my Fuego mixtape on SoundCloud at beefchuck.com. Ooh. I'm kidding. That's all a lie. Oh. Um, I'm going to there's a mix. There's a, there's a, there's a mixtape <laughs> called Hamburger Helper that the music is, like, really actually pretty good. I'm going to be yeah. honest. I'm a little disappointed that, that's that, not that, a thing. that that was a lie. Yeah, yeah. I'm very sorry, guys. Yeah. Someone's got to have beefchuck.com. Right but now. if they don't, I want it to just link to... CinematicKangaRecord.com. Well, he looks up beefchuck.com, <laughs> which we're definitely going to buy. That's not a thing. Why don't, why don't we do our sign-off? So find us on CinematicKangaRecord.com or beefchuck.com. Hopefully. <laughs> Maybe. Thanks, Tristan. Probably. Uh, there you'll be able to find some more info on Kyle and I. Kyle and both of us. The Kyle's. Kyles. Woo. Anyways... <laughs> You'll also be able to find links to iTunes, to SoundCloud, and to Google Play. Don't forget about Twitter. Uh, I tweet out all the links to the episodes. And also, uh, sometimes I give hints about what we're going to be talking about in the upcoming weeks. Hopefully, again, we want to do more interaction eventually. So maybe we'll be talking about what is... uh, What is this? (laughs) What?
<laughs> so like when I looked at beef chunk, it was like it was like click beef chunk. So I click beef chunk, and it brought to a website. It was like, hi, I'm a web developer from Norway. Like, why is beef chunk like you're like? It's like connect to my LinkedIn page. Like, why is someone gonna go this and find your work? Like, find me on beef chunk. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I'm done now. That's what I want to end on. All right. Thanks for <laughs> listening, guys. Well, thanks for joining us, Tristan. Thank it you, was a, it Anytime. was a blast. Anytime. It was a time. good old hoot happening here. <laughs> a hoot and nanny. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just an owl in, like, a nanny's, like, outfit there to take care of your children. <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> Uh, this dumb phone. <laughs> but an owl. The owl. <laughs> she just she just, she counts down whenever she wants something done. She's like a one, a two, a three, <laughs> and then she bites the kid's head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard I'm sweating like more than it should be. See you guys Thanks next week. Thanks for having guys. me. On. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> Yo! We need to buy Beef Chuck right now. Right here. We're doing it. BeefChuck.com. You could literally link it to, like, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. then you could end it. You could be like, either find us on CinematicKangarooCourt.com or BeefChuck.com. <laughs> Why Beef Chuck? Why not? Because of Tristan. It, it was open. <laughs> it just says, thanks, Tristan, and then it's like a link that says CinematicKangarooCourt.com. Yeah. Hell yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> When, we, when I get back, I'll look into it. <laughs> That's hilarious. What is it, like eight bucks, right, to have a demand yeah, for it's, here? It's All right, cheap. we're splitting it. I'll give you four You couldn't even shut it down at the end of the year. It could just be a giant meme page. <laughs> just a new, a new meme every year. <laughs> oh, I love it. But it's the same meme for the yeah, entire yeah, yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. One of the hot, hot it's new the freshest memes. memes. <laughs> but only fresh if it's at the beginning of the year. That website's just going to have flashing. Thanks, Tristan. <laughs> just... Flashing like crazy. Aggressive. Yeah. And then there'll just be a little tiny link that says cinematickangarooport.com. But it doesn't bring you to Cinematic Kangaroo Point. It brings you to like another website that you have to like find the link on that website to make it. It just brings you to SoundCloud in general and you gotta still search brings you to Facebook. We don't even have a Facebook. It brings you to, like, the login page of online Instagram. <laughs> Something not useful. Brings you to Bing. Uh, that would be the worst. That'd be actually really funny. <laughs> it would be. That would be sad. Uh, Bing sad. Because it's not Google. <laughs>